Hey there, folks. Happy New Year. And we are back for Season 5 of Classic Camera Revival. And your credit card bills are probably running pretty high after the holiday season. So today we are going to be bringing you some tips, tricks, and cameras on how to sort of cut back. You know, be a little more inexpensive in your uh, shooting. So let's get to it. Coming to you live from Toronto, Canada, this is the Classic Camera Revival. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you certainly will after listening to our show. All right, folks. So these days, the used camera market, you can get really good cameras from the past that are relatively inexpensive. But there are a lot of cameras out there that you're still going to be spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars of getting. So we're going to start off with a couple of very classic cameras well one very classic camera and one that's actually a recent um discovery for me but i'm sure plenty of people know about it um that can easily be had for less than a hundred dollars and that probably includes the lens too and we'll start with the more common one um the younger brother of the pentax k1000 the pentax spotmatic all right well thanks alex um so yeah the pentax uh, spotmatic um is a really good camera if you're on a budget and um, want a really good, uh, well-functioning camera. I know a lot of people uh, take a look at the uh, K1000s and that sort of thing, and just through popularity, we see the price of that thing becoming uh, really kind of uh, cost-prohibitive. But um, the Spotmatic is a very simple, um, fully manual camera. The only automatic thing about it um, is it has a built-in spot meter. Um, but other than that, it's uh, it's uh, fully mechanical. It was introduced by um, Asai uh, in uh, 1964. Um, it is an M42 uh, screw mount. On mine, I have the uh, the lovely uh, Helios 44-2 on here, which is uh, a really nice combo for this kit. This camera, you can uh, basically pick this thing up for... Probably about seventy-five to ninety dollars for the body, Canadian, um, and you can find yourself, uh, you know, any basic Nifty Fifty or, or you know, whatever it comes with, probably for like twenty bucks or something like that. Absolutely, the uh, the uh, Tachymar glass is oh, absolutely incredible. It's, Even it, the radioactive one, yeah. Uh, it's um, uh, yeah, it definitely is, and and uh, certainly if you can find a Helios for this camera, it's a really like the combo is spectacular. Uh, very very simple, straightforward camera. Doesn't need an instruction booklet. Um, uh, it's got um, uh, top shutter speed of uh, one thousandth of a second with a one uh, sixtieth uh, flash sync. Uh, just comes with an accessory shoe. There's no hot shoe. Um, on it. Um, very, very basic. Uh, the um, metering is controlled by a sliding switch on the uh, left-hand side of the camera. And you basically, it has two positions, up for on and down for off. Um, when you push it in the up position, it actually uh, stop down meters. Uh, so you get depth of field preview with it, um, which is kind of an interesting uh, concept for this uh, this camera. It's um, actually was the first commercially produced camera with uh, TTL metering in, uh, out in 1964. So it is a bit of uh, a legend uh, in its own right. Um, in terms of uh, battery power, so it only requires battery power for the uh, meter itself. Everything else is mechanical and it takes the px uh 625 no it doesn't 
It takes uh, another battery. No, it's, it's smaller. It's oh, is it this one? Anyway, it's whatever. Uh, it it's may a not be the cell. It's a mercury yeah. cell, one point three volt battery. Um, I just put a one point five uh, button cell in there. I, I guess it's it's not the uh, the one no, that looks like a hat. It's I'm like just, half the size of an yeah. LR forty four. Yeah, yeah. you haven't noticed any difference in the metering with the one point. No, what? you know what? Like I, I some people might. I'm just not fussy about. The battery voltage for like you know point one five. Uh, I've I've shot with it using a standard yeah. silver oxide battery with my Spotmatic, and I've shot slide film yeah. with it. And honestly, look, yeah, as, the metering was yeah. fine. There was no as way. a nice. general rule for me, and you know everybody has their own opinion on this stuff. I don't really care to spend fifty dollars on an MR nine adapter or try to hunt down one point three volt cells and then you know for a 90 dollar camera i'm not going to send it off to a camera shop to have somebody put a resistor in it so i can get you know whatever exact metering i'm going to need with my 90 dollar spotmatic um uh, from you know 1.35 volts to 1.5 like that's just kind of overthinking life in general um just so walk around with a good yeah like you know we're, we're doing things on a on a shoestring here and if you're in a pinch and don't trust that actual meter sunny 16 it use an external meter if you really if you really want to use your um, cell phone most you know or you know what just take the bloody picture like you know like it's photography let's not take ourselves too seriously with this stuff you know just have some fun with it go out there and enjoy it you know if you're if you're going on the premise that you want something that is um, uh, cost effective and um, uh, easy to use and simple and a great intro into film photography or photography in general, I would go for one of these above a K one thousand any day. Absolutely, mm. exactly. agreed. One thing I'd throw in that we're, we're all you know talking about uh, the metering and getting the battery. I, I took a different kind of. Um, practical approach i got three spotmatic f's that were pristine except the uh, the meter did not work on any of them i paid ten dollars a body yep so like Lens caps like, mike, cost like, more. like mike said you know you either sunny 16 or use an instant meter or your blankety blank smartphone exactly and that's it, a great way to learn photography yeah you trial and error a lot of people learn the best way through trial and error just do it already and the other thing is that the latitude of film i mean you're talking like a tenth of a fraction of yeah. a exposure with the difference that you're going to get from 1.3 to 1.5 yeah. difference in metering yeah. from the power and the latitude of most films is easily two stops yeah. or more so yeah. you're really and if, if you're if you're a purist in film photography you need to get out and shoot more. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's put it this way. If you are really worried about shooting film photography with your Spotmatic because you don't know exactly if you're metering correctly, I recommend spending a bit of money on the film. Get Portra 400 and then you can pretty much screw it up up to three whole stops yep. and still get something. So that's a hell of a lot of latitude. That's a lot of information. And you will feel better about yourself when you realize that you're learning. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Spotmatic as well because I own, let's see here, an S two SPs, a chrome and a black one, an SP2, which has the hot shoe on top, and, an S, uh, and a Spotmatic F, which does take the 625. There is a battery for the the uh, SP and the SP2. It is the Energizer 387 if you can find it. 
Very, very small. Yep, but they come with a little um, washer, clear one. I think the uh, jewelers use them for watches. It fits perfectly, and I find uh, I'm getting decent exposures out of them. As as for the Spotmatic, it is um, it's a camera that's had been around. It had a ten year production run, and they just sort of continued as time went on. And it's like it's a classic uh, tagline that the Psy Optical had: "Just hold one." The ergonomics are perfect, and that's the reason why everyone loves the K1000 so much. It was based on the Spotmatic. In fact, it's Everyone's an SP1000 with a K mount with the Spotmatic F meter, which is open aperture metering, and you got to put the lens cap on if you want to. But we can almost do an, an entire deep dive episode just on the Spotmatic series alone. So and we are going to. So stay yeah. tuned for a future uh, CCR episode on that. Yeah. Now, just one minor correction. James had mentioned that it had a spot meter. Now, contrary to the name, the Spotmatic actually just has a center-weighted averaging meter. There's no spot meter on it. Is it 75%? I'm not 100% sure it's what how it's weighted, okay. but it's it's just a pretty simple reflective meter that it's it, it's fairly accurate. It does the job. Uh, the marketing guys didn't like the name Average-Matic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Spotmatic sounded good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Average Joe-Matic. Even the Average Joe can use this camera. Don't or worry. Jane, we're not sexist. <laughs> Well, they were when they, this camera came out. Oh, um, the camera that I have here is one that just recently uh, came across my desk. I was recently in Burlington Camera, and I was talking to Joan, and I said, I need an interesting camera that costs under $100. And I mean, yeah, there are Pentax Spotmatics out there, but the Fujika caught her eye now. Fujika, as some people may know, is the name that Fuji gave to their camera early camera lines. Um, I've shot the GSW and the GX680, um, but I'd never shot any of their 35mm gear before. So I ended up walking out with the Fujika ST605 with a Fujinon lens. Um, these cameras, this camera is basically the upgrade of the ST601. The only difference between the 601 and the 605 is that the 605 takes silver oxide batteries. The 601 took a mercury cell. So, but both got released in the same year. So the 601 had a very short light production lifespan. So is it a six volt uh, silver oxide or? Um, it takes two uh, 1.4. Five volts. The MS seventy six. Oh, oh okay. So okay. basically, so an SR forty four three five seven energizer. Yeah. Yep. Oh, they're like common as dirt. Yeah. yeah. It's like an Olympus. Pretty much. Um, again, the batteries just control the uh, meter. Um, Unlike like, an Olympus. Like the K one thousand, it doesn't have an on off switch, so you do need to put a lens cap on there when it's not in use to save your battery life. Um, like the Spotmatic, it has an M42 lens mount, so you can use your SMT, SMC Tachymar glass on it. However, uh, you got to be careful with um, Pentax glass with the Fujica. Uh, my brother has the one above the uh, your lovely 605. I think it's an 801? 701? 701. 701. Yep. Because it goes to 1,000. Uh, you can put the super tachymars on it, but you can't put the super multi-coated 
Takumar's on it because of the little extra pin, and that right. little extra pin does really bad things to your Fujika. Yes. Yeah. So if it's an auto Takumar or a super Takumar, you're safe. Yep. Um, so, again, you have access to a whole pile of really good lenses on this. You could put on your Helios um, glass, but... Um, this camera came with the Fujinon 55mm f2.2, and that's not the only thing weird about this. The maximum speed is 1 700th of a second. Not 1 500th, not 1 1,000th, 1 700th. That is weird. Well, I mean, a lot of things Fuji has done recently has yeah. been weird, but anyways, um, there are a couple things that I'm not... A fan of in this. The first one is that there's no feedback to your exposure settings inside the um, inside the viewfinder. You can see the match needle, and the match needle looks very much like what you'd get in your uh, K1000, but you don't see your shutter speeds or your apertures. They fixed it with the um, 605N, which puts the aperture in there. And then there's the film advance. Um, there's a little plastic part that sort of hangs on there it actually feels like it's broken but it's just on a hinge and then it's a 140 degree around oh boy so it's a very long it's a long stroke need some long fingers that's a long throw if there ever was one yep who doesn't like a long stroke (laughs) it was just a matter of time folks Alex opened the door. I just walked right in. That's right. <laughs> um, At least it's not a double stroke. <sighs> oh, oh, boy. Hey. <laughs> um, but Welcome no. to 2019, everybody. Yeah. Are you like a, that idea? <laughs> um, but again, the nice thing, I was um, poking around on eBay, and um, the price for, on average, is around um, 60 to $70. There are a few people who are selling them. For over 200 they are simply delusional. This is not even a $100 camera. This is an $80 camera at the maximum. And if you're paying more for it, you should just walk away. Um, again, all mechanical, great way to learn. You can do Sunny 16 on it, no problem. Um, when I shot this, I was using my um, Gossen Luna 6 with a spot attachment, and the images that came out of it were stunning. The optics are sharp. Um, no surprise there. I use a Fuji lens on my large format camera with uh, no problems. The other thing with the Fujica for an M42, it's the only M42 camera I'm aware of that has a vertical copal shutter. Interesting. Really? That I never knew. Huh. Yeah. Nice. There That's we go. Interesting. I will say, you mentioned the Fujinon glass. It is some of the best glass yeah. out there. Like, uh, I have... Um, a GSW 690. Um, and the 680. And a GX680. Yep. And, and some of that glass is just, it's incredible. Mm. Yeah. I would buy that camera just for the glass alone. <laughs> Even though it's got a weird F-stop and everything. But, yeah. uh, F2.2. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I had a chance to shoot with was it a Fujika ST601. It was a traveling camera. It was, yep. it was interesting to say the least. Unfortunately, we're not sure what happened to the camera in its travels. I just know that it met an almost untimely demise with me when I got clipped by a biker. Oh. But aside from that... It was. It actually handled pretty well. It was a fun little camera to shoot with. Yeah. Cameras aside, one of the most expensive things with film photography is actually loading the film into the camera. Kodak, Ilford, 
fantastic film stocks, but they do cost a fair bit, even with your AM-FM discount at Downtown Camera. Um, but that being said, there are plenty of films out there that do not cost an arm and a leg and give you really good results. Um, the first one is the Kentmere line of film. And if you take a look at a Kentmere box, you'll notice an odd familiarity with the fonts being used. And that's because Kentmere Photo, once its own entity, has now been absorbed by Harmon Technology, the same folks who own and are doing a wonderful job with Ilford. Um, it uh, Sadly, Kentmere only comes in 35mm, and they have a 100 and a 400 speed um, variant of it. So, Trevor, what's been your experience with uh, Kentmere? Um, I use it for landscape and um, uh, travel, sort of street photography. And uh, I find it a little bit more contrasty um, than um, your kind of average 400-speed film. But uh, I actually like that look to it for uh, kind of like high-contrast street photography and sunny days kind of thing. Um, but there's lots of latitude in the highlights and the shadows. So I've, I've never been disappointed by it. Um, I, I like the economics of it for sure, um, because when you just want to fool around and say, take a couple of rolls, um, you know, you buy two, three rolls, it's the equivalent of one and a half of like Ilford or Kodak or anything else, because it's on average like, uh, last time I bought it was like five, six dollars a roll sort of thing, and it's just in the like the black container kind of thing out of a box at that downtown camera. And, um, you know, um, it's, it's fun to play with, and um, I'm quite happy with the results. My experience with Kentmere is exclusively with the 100, and that is actually one of those sleeper films out there. It's it's cheap. Uh, you can get that, and I think even the bulk loads, rolls are really cheap if you want to go cheap and cheerful. Uh, it's great for bright, sunny days. Uh, it processes well in D76, ID11, or any major film chemicals out there. There are... Uh, a plethora of recipes on massive uh, the massive development chart, so you won't be in a lurch and say it's say compared to a more exotic emulsion. And I want to throw on the table a, a color film, a cheap and cheerful, the Kodak Ultramax 400, which you can get oh, yeah. at Downtown Camera, or you can buy the 36 exposure rule version at B&H, and it's like, I think I adjusted for canadian dollars around five and change a roll yeah. and it's yeah. sometimes you can find it for like three bucks at walmart yeah, yeah. well you can get um so speaking three. of of mm -hmm. kodak cheap and cheerful uh kodak gold 200 at walmart 72 frames for 12 dollars and 88 cents that's three yeah. 24 exposure rolls for yep. under 13 bucks you can't Absolutely. get any cheaper than that for color film and it's got great overexposure latitude great underexposure latitude pushes really well can be developed in black and white with actually usable results. It's a decent <coughs> film all around. Nice. Well, I mean, that's the, really the nature of uh, a lot of consumer films, right? Like consumer films were built um, or well manufactured with uh, more than average, yeah, more than average latitude um, and longer than average shelf life compared to uh, professional films because professional films were obviously meant to be used for prof by professionals uh, and. Um, the emulsions were um, manufactured to a certain uh, contrast and resolving standards and that sort of thing, whereas consumer film is meant to be an all-around, right. use me, abuse me, 
take a few shots, put the camera away for six months, take a few more shots. Well, Verichrome pan was the king at that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it was, was designed for box yeah. cameras with one shutter speed and one aperture. Oh, absolutely. And, it, and yeah. to think, that used to be the inexpensive film. Now, it it's pretty it's really getting up there in price well if you can find there if you if you can actually find verichrome anymore um you know it's it's one of those like good all-around verichrome is one of those good all-around films but certainly doesn't fall into the category of uh discounted priced films these days what's the keith richards of uh black and white films it just will not die (laughs) (laughs) no No matter how much heroin you shove down its throat yeah um um, another um, another one on the uh, five bucks a roll um, is uh, Ultrafine. Mm-hmm. Um, Ultrafine online is a website that sells film stock. I'm not sure where they're getting it from. What it is, I haven't done enough comparison of developing times to figure. Neither it out. do I. I. You know, I, I've I've got five rolls, a pro pack of it to shoot some Ultrafine Extreme 100. Yep that I got as part of a bulk buy, and I haven't shot it yet. And I've, I've not had any experience with their films. I've seen some images, yeah. like on Flickr and, and what people have put on some Facebook groups, and the film looks really, really yeah, good. Yeah, you take the 100, you shoot it at 50, develop it in Rodinal, and it's sharp as nobody's really? business. Well, that'll be a, maybe a springtime yeah. And uh, uh, the 400 speed stuff is just as good. The Extreme is a classic-grained film, mm-hmm. and then they have a T-grain oh, do they? as well. So two hundred, and so do you think that they are? Do you oh. think they are? Um, I think they're re- end of the roll. Re- oh yeah, like they're yeah. buying stock from, yeah, like and Roly or just, Agfa just or somebody, or? and just printing their own um, Possibly rebates FOMA. on it. So the, the four hundred reminds me a bit of HP five plus, at yep. least in one twenty, because I've I've shot both the one hundred and four hundred in yeah. in one twenty. It's not a super contrasty film, no, but it's not flat. It has yeah. pretty good tonality, mm-hmm. and I'll, yep. I'll echo what uh, what Alex said. It uh, it works very nicely in medium format with with road and all. Yeah, it's just a shame that um, I've been sort of tempted with Ultrafine, but I just find their shipping policies outside the U.S. a little. You can you can pick them up downtown from a camera downtown camera. Yeah, yeah, quite easily. Oh, that's uh, that's actually. The tip. You know, speaking of downtown camera, downtown camera is becoming the film photography project store of the north. Yes, they're they're, oh. they're quite the film photography yeah. hub just for yeah. just yeah. for well, not just Toronto but the GTA. Yeah, yeah, good for them. And I mean, yeah. their their influence is really yeah. starting. To I, I actually think the film, like I think Stan's been breathing in some of the chemicals because he's actually turned into quite a nice guy. Wow. <laughs> well, here's the thing. They were trying to put him into the developer tank, but he dumped, he dropped into the fixer tanks. So oh. Problem solved. Oh, yeah. Boy. But even Stan developed, he's pretty agitated. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Oh, my God. Off to the penitentiary with you. <laughs> wow, that was a good one. What a zinger. And the and the final film um, stock is one that isn't um, new to uh, the group around the table, but um, from Russia with Love, there's uh, the Svema yes. photo line, yes, which um, I initially had some pretty bad um, experiences with, but um, I shot a bunch of it over the course of uh, the end of uh, 2018, and actually found that. For the most part, it is really, really good. Um, Svema Photo 100 is incredibly sharp, um, incredibly fine-grained. 
Um, 400, you are limited with um, your developing times. Um, they really only have the stuff online for D76, ID11 in stock, and one-to-one. But I found that you can use Rolly Retro 400S times with it, and you get some results out of it. So I did it with HC110 Dilution B for 6.5, and um, Pyrocat HD with a one-stop pull for uh, 14 minutes. Now, Pyrocat's not exactly the cheapest developer out there, um, but I will recommend avoiding Rodinol, even stand developed. It the grain gets fairly muddy. Um, but stand developed um, Svema Photo One Hundred is beautiful, and there's also a uh, middle child to uh, the yeah, group. I quite like. It's been a while since I've shot it. I need to get back to it. There's so many films, so little time. Because uh, yes, you still can get film for that camera. Is the Svema Two Hundred? Mm. Um, which is also, you know, beautifully sharp. Uh, you're not paying a huge uh, grain oh, penalty. Um, and 200 is a very, very useful speed. Mm. The other one I'd throw in there, um, also I want to get back to shooting, and I think I may buy a bulk roll at some point, is this Fiamma 125 C41 film. The color film, yes. Yeah, which ha- is so unique like it's interesting you get it developed and you know how normally a c41 color film will have the orange mask the mask on on this stuff is clear so you sort of have to adjust your scanning a bit but the tonality it's sort of almost like a retro kind of look sort of pastel but with vibrancy yep that does it i have to buy some more c41 chemistry and a bulk roll of that for this year well here's the thing such a gorgeous film the svema color 125 is world war ii agfa right well the russians came in and we'll get to uh an interesting little connection in a later episode about uh germany and russia um but yeah, the Russians came in and they got a lot of their phototech from Germany during the occupation during World War II. One of the one other of the Sfema films, and it is fairly inexpensive, especially if you're looking for a slow speed film, the FN sixty four. FN sixty four. Wow, yes, that I is a great film. film. And with the demise of the, one of my most beloved films, Polypan, which at one point in time, this used to be the cheap film to buy, where yep. you bought it literally by the meter. And I'm not talking about like small amounts, anywhere from 90 to 150 meters. And I'm pretty sure that I've heard of a few people that had 300 meter rolls of this stuff. Yep. So that's like a quarter mile of Polypan just sitting yeah. in your freezer. That's yeah. phenomenal. So, Svema FN64. This is good that, stuff. What a yeah. great film that is. Absolutely. Now, one thing that um, has the term you've probably heard us kick around is bulk loading. And that is a topic that I've had a few bulk loaders come in and out of my, my desk, but I've never actually done the process of bulk loading. But I know that John and Mike and Trevor and Bill have all done bulk loading. So, what is bulk loading? Let's give you the uh, let's give you guys the one on 
101. Well, bulk loading isn't quite the idea of taking as much film as possible and shoving it into a 35 millimeter cassette. That's a really bad idea for when the cassette usually won't hold much more than about 38 exposures. Neither will the developing tank and it can get jammed in your camera. Ooh. So bulk roll within reason. Well, bulk loading, Essentially, it comes down to the, how the how the film is purchased. Like you got the choice of when you go to hop into a downtown camera or go onto our Genetex or BNH or Burlington, go into Burlington camera. You can buy your film in cassettes, or you can buy them in lovely uh, thirty meter rolls. I had to think there, or hundred feet if you're south of the border. And Generally, you wind up saving probably a good 25, 30, probably a good 25%, depending on the film. Now, granted, Kodak Tri-X yeah, has a rather... Yeah, mentioned Tri-X. Uh, it has a rather funny price point, but we, you know, yeah, you can get around that, but again... Bulk load if you want to lose money. Yeah. Uh, generally, I would suggest Ilford HP5 for bulk loading, uh, FOMA uh Rolly RPX is a great one to go with if you're really budget minded. FOMA Camp 100. FOMA 100, Camp Mir 100, Camp Mir 400. Absolutely. Uh Rolly Retro ADS. Uh, there you go. Now, bulk loaders, uh they come in a couple different flavors from really simple tech to hey, you can almost dial in the number of exposures you want on a roll. Uh, I prefer the really simple tech, the Lloyds, and it Lloyd's is, is yes, yeah. Uh, it's almost, <laughs> I think it's almost like public domain of technology because anyone's got like a, I guess a three D printer or a, um, or or an extrusion, extrusion molding technology can can make one. Uh, I've usually you can find them used at any camera show. You can buy new. Uh, you will pay some money. But again, it's an upfront cost. It's a one-time hit that will more over the course of time, you'll be able to amortize easily. The only thing, I think with the Lloyds, I've got I've got too many bulk loaders, and one of them is a Lloyds. A key thing with the Lloyd is because the film is passing through that felt trap, you must keep that felt trap clean. You got Very, a, yeah, you, you keep it. Yeah. Yeah. You got a piece of grit yeah. in there, and... Uh, your your uh, your day gets bad really quickly. That's the one advantage of the Watson type, which is like the other one type you tend to see, is they're a bit more complicated mechanically, but uh, the way that their uh, their door works is that you know you put you you spool the film up, or you tape it to the uh, to the the spool, then you close you close the hinge, turn the handle to open the door, so to speak. And the film's not rubbing against anything. The one downside of Watson is, is there. There are the real ones, and there are the cheap knockoffs. And there's a reason. There's a difference in price. Well, I ruined uh, about three rolls of film uh, from not having uh, properly cleaned the uh, um, the Lloyd's one. And it's unfortunate because there was some really good documentary work I did in uh, Mexico. And there's all these scrapes right down the middle. But the good news is I got to practice my uh, scanning and photoshopping and uh, fixing uh, yeah. uh, those images because of it. But uh, it was an absolute shame. So One good thing about uh, bulk loading we haven't talked about much is let's say you need to test a camera. You need a short roll. Yeah. Yep. You need an eight-frame roll. You can do that in bulk. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Save the clip test. 
Yeah. Or the last method of bulk rolling is doing it completely in the dark, pulling off a strip that's eh, roughly about feels right and taping it on and rolling it up. So you don't need a bulk loader to bulk load, but they make life easier. Now, one thing we haven't talked about is the cartridges. Yes. And um, there's two approaches. There are people who, uh, they're not as ubiquitous as used to be, but, uh, and I, I remember back the reusable in, ones. reusable ones. And I remember back in the day, the uh, Ilford of the 1970s, their cartridges were beautiful because they were reusable. Yes. not crimped like they are today. Uh, I find a lot of the plastic ones you buy today are crap. The uh, yep. the felt tends to pop out very quickly. I've had a few of those come in and out very quickly, and I gave away the bulk loader but tossed out the reusable cartridges. With some of the reusable ones, they are reusable, but only reuse them so many times because every time you pop off that um, the, the top, you, you it thins out, and that it's happened yeah. to me as well, is that you pop it in the camera, go, and then boing, it's like, uh-oh, and the top pops off because it's been overused. And I know what a number of us do on the table is when we have our non-bulk rolled film, we rewind the uh, the film very when we let's say finish a roll of Trix or whatever, we rewind the camera very carefully so it doesn't go all the way back into the cartridge. So when we're in the dark room, um, instead of popping the top off the cartridge and bending it, ruining it, um, we pull the film out right to the end yep. and cut like leave out a quarter inch or so yeah. of the old film, and then what you can do with a bulk loader is just get some strong tape and tape the the bulk end to that and again i would not reuse a cartridge 50 times i'll do it half a dozen times and then toss it and that's a lot cheaper and these are good cartridges too they're better made than most of the bulk ones today not to mention they'll have your dx code on it as well so if you can match one with the other you're good to go and one of the really easy ways of getting your hands on one of these is uh little photo mini labs they probably process a fair amount of 35 mil. And the way they do it is you use a leader retriever yep. and it sucks it into the machine. And then it just goes snip and there's a little bit of the film still left on that you can yeah. bulk load. They usually toss those into a bin and that's that. If you talk to them, chances are you can get a whole bunch of 35 mil cartridges that you can reuse several times for free. Absolutely. No. So... Um that wraps it up for this episode. Um, we hope you got um, some tips, tricks to help uh, keep the uh, keep the credit card uh, a little more empty in the post-Christmas season. Until next time, my name's Alex saying we might be cheap, but we ain't easy. Uh, okay. Damn, Alex, you, you chose everyone's favorite line. So, yeah, just... All the best of New Year. Who here is not cheap and easy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm expensive and easy, but that's another story. Uh, Yeah, I wish everyone a happy New Year and, uh, of course, shoot tons of film in 2019. Happy New Year, everyone. It's Mike Bataxi signing off. Happy New Year, everybody. Get out there and start shooting film. Hope you got lots for Christmas. Happy New Year's, everyone, from Trevor Black. This is James Lee. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope um, you had a wonderful Christmas. And um, you know what? It's 2019. Push yourself to do something new. Do something different. And um, hey, if you like to be cheap and or easy or either one. Both. Both. Knock yourself out. This is John Meadows. Like everyone else has said, Happy New Year. And for the record, I'm pretty easy. (laughs) Just not cheap.